The following podcast is brought to you by Pathways Church. Thanks for joining us for this message from our weekend service. We exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Christ. If you have any questions or even a story to share about how God is moving in your life, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at pathwayschurch.us. Thanks for listening, and we pray that God's Word will enrich your journey today. four-part message series called Bad Advice. How about you say that? Bad Advice. advice. Now, you might be thinking, why in the world would I come to church to receive some bad advice? Well, let me tell you, because I think some of us, if we look at the way that we live our lives or we're behaving, we're actually following bad advice. So what I want to do is I want to give you some bad advice, okay? Okay. I'm going to give you some bad advice, and when we do this in the context of church, I think it'll be so incredibly obvious that you'll think to yourself, oh my word, I'm actually following and listening to some of that bad advice in some of these different areas of my life. And then when we see it for what it is, I want to give you some good and godly advice. Say godly advice. So we're going to look at some godly advice from God's word, and I think it's going to impact your life in a very powerful way. So does that make sense? Did I frame that up so you got it? All right. Well, today, the title of my message is How to Hate Your Job. Probably have never heard of a sermon title like that, have you? Right? How to hate your job. How to hate your job, okay? Uh, How many of you have ever had a job that you hate it? For me, it was, uh, wow, a lot of hands, okay? So you're in the right church. (laughs) When I was in college on one summer break, I actually got a job at a grocery store, and I hated that job. I worked the graveyard shift. For some of you who don't know what that is, that's from midnight to 8 a.m. And I hated the job because it, it threw off my schedule. I didn't have time with my friends during the day. And the work was so boring. I stocked shelves in an empty grocery store with uh, almost uh, very little to no human interaction. And I hated that job, but I did it for the money. Now, today, you might be in a job where you feel tremendously fulfilled. All your coworkers are angels, your boss, your supervisor, incredible. You wake up every morning, especially on Monday mornings, you're like, man, I can't wait to go to work. If that's you, I'm so happy for you. For the rest of us, I'm going to give you some bad advice on how to hate your job, all right? So uh, how to hate your job. N- number one, here's number one on how to hate your job, a focus on being ungrateful. Focus on being ungrateful. Listen to what Paul says. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I mean, how naive was this guy, Paul? Like, really? I'm going to give thanks in all circumstances? No way. I'm going to be ungrateful. I'm going to gripe in circumstances. I'm going to complain. Don't shake your head. That's probably the bad advice. Don't, don't shake your head. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to complain, especially at work. Nobody was shaking their head over there. I just, everybody looked over there like, who's the, (laughs) nobody was shaking their head. That's just a preacher's trick. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I should have pointed online. Don't shake your head. Uh, Anyways. uh, Yeah. So uh, Paul says, be grateful. Don't do that. In fact, you, you know what we need to do? We need to resent God's goodness in other people's lives. 
So when we're at work and we hear that one of our coworkers got a promotion or a, or a pay raise, we need to say that person didn't deserve it. I'm a way better teammate than they are. Like, come on, really? Like, you, you need to badmouth them. You, you need to say like, yeah, there, there's no way. But you know what else you need to do? You need to resent God's goodness in your own life. Like this job, really? God, you, you provided me with this job? Like, I... I'm so ungrateful for this. Like, I have to wake up and, you know, I, I don't want to do this. Like, I'm, I'm ungrateful. We, I want you to nurture a spirit of ingratitude deep in your soul. Okay, so uh, first piece of, of bad advice, I, I want you to focus on being ungrateful when it comes to your work. Here's the second thing. If you want to hate your job, compare what you have to people who have more. Just compare what you have. Listen, again, here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. They are not wise. So here's what we want to do. Our goal is to be completely foolish. And how do we do that? We compare ourselves to what people have. We compare everything. We compare our houses. We compare our marriages. We compare our, our washers and dryers. Do we have a, a, a washer that's like a front loader? You know, one of those cool ones. We compare our vacations. We compare our social media posts. We compare our bodies. We just compare. Like if we want to hate our job, we compare. Guys, we compare our shoes. We compare how much hair we have to the other coworker. We compare our schedules. We, comp we just compare. We compare. We compare. So uh, if you want to hate your job, compare what you have to people who have more, and then you'll find yourself being ungrateful for the job that God has given you and what that job can't buy for you. All right, here's the third piece of bad advice. If you wanna hate your job, view your work as a means to get things that you really want. Get greedy. Like, uh, get really greedy and selfish. Go after temporary possessions and forfeit eternal treasures. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said this, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Are you sure, Jesus? Because the world I'm living in basically... Uh, what you drive and what you wear and all the things that you have, like possessions, that's what makes life incredibly satisfying, Jesus. Like, I appreciate your wisdom here in the first century, but it's a new day. And so what we need to do is get greedy. We need to live in the moment. We shouldn't live in light of eternity. Rather, we need to go out and we need to work hard so that we can have all the things that we want because more is better, more is better, more is better. In fact, say it with me. More is better, more is better, more. Some of you are shaking your heads and I'm serious. You are shaking your heads. Why? Because that's bad advice. That's bad advice. So if you want to hate your job, focus on being ungrateful. Are you writing these down? They'll change your life for the worse. Okay. <laughs> focus on being ungrateful. 
uh, number two, uh, make, make sure that you compare, compare, uh, compare to what other people have. And then number three, get all selfish and greedy and view your work as a means to get what you really want. All right. Now, can I take a time out just for a second? Oh, that was incredibly hard for me to do and preach that. Like, I literally had to internalize it. Like, I cannot believe I'm doing that. Okay. Ugh. Okay. Okay. Just next couple weeks when I do this bad advice segment, this is going to be tough. All right. So if you're a guest today, I never do this. I've never done that before. Okay. So, um, but here's, here's the truth. If we adopt these attitudes and we live into these attitudes, these become our behaviors, then what's going to happen is that we're going to see our job as a concession in life. We're going to see it as a necessary evil. People and many people have this view of their work and their job such that they say this in the morning, I have to go to work. I have to do this. In fact, many people hold this view such that what they do is they live their lives the next, say, 25, 30 years to that moment, that golden moment called retirement. And they say to themselves, uh, experts say, you'll spend 60% of your adult life at work waiting for that moment of retirement. And people will say to themselves, then I'll really live then I'll be really free. And what they're saying is simply this, that they're gonna take 60%, that block of life, and spend it in endless and mindless futility. Who would wanna do that? That's not a good way to live, is it? None of us would say in our right minds, yeah, I'm gonna spend 60% of my adult life doing something I absolutely hate for a moment in life that's not guaranteed for me, a golden moment of retirement, I'm going to do that. Ugh. Don't do that, okay? Don't do that. See, we can have a higher view of our work and our job and not see it as a concession to life, but rather as a calling in life, a calling from God. And so what I want us to do today, I want to, in some ways, maybe perhaps if you're following some bad advice, take you from that place where I have to, to I get to, or not allow the culture of our world to suck you back into I have to, because you have to resist that. You have to resist that or you'll squander the 60% of your life and you'll forfeit the very thing that God has called you to do, which is to your job, to your work. Work was a part of God's, it was a part of his imagination. In fact, he was working at the, he worked to create our world that we live in. He worked for six days. God's a worker. He calls us to be workers. Work is not a bad thing. Our work is cursed because of sin, but not work in and of itself. And as Christ followers, we need to gravitate toward the side of this is a calling from God and I get to do this. So here's uh, the statement, my bottom line for this weekend. My bottom line is this, work is a calling, not a concession of life. Work is a calling. And when I try to renew your perspective through God's word, and if you would open up your heart, I think God is going to speak to all of us, regardless of where you are in your career, what stage of life, because I think God wants to communicate some things on this topic of work. Now, to help me do this, I want to look at a key passage of Scripture in the New Testament. 
Paul writes this in Colossians chapter three. If you are taking notes, you should write this down, okay? These two verses are amazing. Paul says this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. All right, so let me give you four pieces of godly advice from these two scripture verses. We, we talked about some bad advice. We said, if you want to hate your job, then focus on being ungrateful, compare, and get greedy, right? View work as really a means to get the things that you really want. Now I want to give you four pieces of godly advice. The first is this. Your job is from God. Your job is from God. Say that. Say, 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 my job is from God. My job is from God. Do you know my job is from God? Do you know that God called me to Pathways Church seven and a half years ago? When I circled and I flew into a, uh, Appleton, a, I was going to say a, ATW, the airport, I just sensed this is where God called me and my family. There's a calling. Now that calling can be just as real for you no matter what you do, whether you're a baker or a banker doesn't matter. Because if you view work as from God, now you say, Adam, well, where do you get this idea that it's from God? Well, I get that in verse 23. The first three words where, where Paul says, in whatever you do. Paul didn't say, in a certain things or in a few things that you do. He said, whatever you do, regardless of where you go to work and, and, and who, like that is in all things, that's from God. Your work is from God. This helps shape our perspective in two ways. If our work is from God, first of all, it gives us a higher view of our work. There's intrinsic value in what you do because it's a calling from God. And secondly, it's a safeguard. When you view your work from God, it's a safeguard to gravitate toward I have to and get a complaining spirit and becoming ungrateful and comparing and getting all greedy. When you view it as this is from God, then what you'll do with your work is you'll turn that into a prayer of praise. God, thank you for this job. Thank you for providing for me that I get to provide for my family. God, thank you for the skills and the resources. God, you've given me the ability even to do this job. God, thank you for that. And when you begin to praise God for your work and you thank God for, that's the first step in seeing your work as a calling and not a concession to life. The second piece of godly advice is this. All your work is ultimately done for God. Not only is it from God, but it's ultimately done for God. Paul says in verse 23, do your work as working for the Lord. As working for the Lord. Work at it, he says. Work at what? Work at your work. Paul says, begin to develop your craft. If you're a teacher, understand and dive deep into, into, into developmental psychology and understanding the grade level and the kids and socially. And yeah, that's tiring. I know it is, but it's a calling from God and it's done ultimately for God. Listen to me, listen to me. You might have a human earthly boss 
His name might be, uh, I I don't know, uh, Robert Bean or Anita Rogers. But behind your earthly boss or supervisor stands Jesus Christ, who is over all. And you're doing your work for him. The everyday boss of every single person here at Pathways Church who places their faith in Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ. We're working for him. We're doing this unto him. What does this do? This approach does two things. First of all, it helps us in terms of our accountability. Because we're not only thinking in terms of our supervisor and how we're doing with initiatives and productivity and PTO and scheduling and things of that nature, but we're accountable to God and God sees it all. God sees the heart. He sees the motivation behind your work. The second thing that this does when we see that our work is ultimately done for the Lord, here's what it does. It helps us with our ethics, our morality. Like every job, whether you got this in the onboarding process or you know the values of the company, there is a manual, your employee handbook, and it talks about a code of conduct, right? What you should do and what you shouldn't do. But friends, can I remind you as Christians, we have a manual, a code of conduct, a life-transforming, supernatural, divine God-breathed book that far surpasses any company's code of conduct, and that's called the Bible, the Holy Word of God. And when we live into that standard, we will far exceed any sense of ethics or morality. Listen, believers in Jesus Christ should be some of the most honest and genuine and hardworking and full of polite, gracious words in the workplace. We should maintain some of the highest standards in terms of moral principles and ethics because we serve a God who is perfect. We want to carry that kind of disposition. So when we see our work from God and for God, it just flows into this third piece of godly advice. It makes sense. We should, all your work should get your best effort. If it's from God and for God, it means, this is when Paul says, uh, do it with all your heart. It speaks of passion and excellence and enthusiasm. It says, man, when you're going to go to work, like lay it all out there. Like give it your all. Like like spend your work, learn your craft, love it because it's, it's, it's from God, it's for him and it requires your best effort. It means the kind of productivity and the kind of energy and the kind of excellence that people, when they see you, they, they should say, that person right there, listen, my prayer for every single person at Pathways Church as related to this specific area of work is that every person on your team would say when they see you, we can't afford to lose that person at our organization. We can't afford to lose them. Like, you know, we got some slackers and we got some steady eddies, but this person, we can't afford. They're like PT peer. They're a primetime player. Like we, we can't We can't afford to lose that kind of work ethic, that kind of honesty, that kind of integrity that exudes something that is so different. Like this is what God calls us to do, to give our best effort. Heard a story of 
a guy who went to visit uh, the Louvre. The Louvre is a museum in Paris. Now, I'm not a big museum guy, if you couldn't tell. I'm not a museum guy. Laura likes to go to museums, and after 21 years of marriage, I've learned to be supportive in going to museums. I've done a lot better job in going to museums. When we were first married, and Laura would say, let's go to the museum, primarily because it was free and we didn't have any money. So we'd go to the museum and walk around, and I would just get bored. I was like, oh my word, can I take a nap? Like on little deal, like I'll act like I'm looking at the artwork this way, but I'll actually be sleeping. Like I didn't, I don't. But the Louvre is a big deal, okay? Now, if you're not a museum person, the Louvre is to art as Lambo is to football. Okay, now you get it? Big deal. In fact, the Louvre actually houses the, the portrait Mona Lisa. I only know that because I Googled it, okay? I was thinking, why is this place so famous? Well, it's got the Mona Lisa. Oh, okay, that makes sense, okay? This is the Louvre. So this guy was telling a story. He said they actually got done with some archaeological work underneath the Louvre. And he was one of the first tours that went down there with the tour guide. And he had noticed that underneath the Louvre actually was a foundation for the ruins of a castle. So the Louvre was built on the ruins of a castle. And he was underneath and he was looking at some of the archaeological, the foundation of the Louvre. And he had noticed that there were certain stones not every stone, but there were some stones on the Louvre that actually had the symbol of the cross. And the individual, the gentleman said to the guy, he said, what's up with that? Like, I, I see some of these stones, they have the sign of the cross. And the tour guide said, oh, those were Christian stonemakers. They were Christian stonemakers. And, and what they wanted to do, the reason that they put the cross on there was to remind themselves that when they were chipping away at this particular stone and setting that stone, they were doing it for the glory of God. Can you imagine? Here's an individual hundreds of years earlier laying stones for a foundation that no one would probably ever see or know about, and yet this individual, this stonemaker, was giving their best effort for the glory of God. It makes me wonder, who will display greatness on the foundation of your work when you do it for the glory of God? It makes me wonder, convicts me about my own work ethic. Like, am I giving the time and the precision and the quality to do this, not for an earthly boss, but for a heavenly father? who gave everything and did the greatest work on the cross for my freedom and my salvation requires our best effort. Here's the fourth piece of godly advice. Work done right gets rewarded. Somebody say amen. amen. That's a good thing. It gets rewarded. Gets rewarded in terms of compensation. It gets rewarded in terms of prosperity. I believe that people who work hard, their businesses grow. I think that's one form of work. Sometimes they don't grow. Sometimes they, but over the long haul, God blesses people when their work is done right. It's rewarded. Paul says that's why we receive an inheritance from the Lord. But it's not just earthly compensation. 
This could be in terms of influence. Your influence begins to widen with your coworkers, with your friends, with your clients. People at your job begin to take note of the way in which you work because they see you working at a higher level and now you have voice into their life. Listen to me, everybody lean in. If you are not a strong, hard worker who does it unto the glory of Christ, be very careful about how loud and how long you profess your faith in Jesus Christ. Those who work hard and understand work from a biblical perspective, Colossians 3, 23 and 24, they are the ones who now have the cred, that's called credibility, to speak at work about something deeper. So don't go toting that you are some big, awesome Jesus person and you're a lame employee. That doesn't fly at your organization. You could say amen there. I know it's hard, but I love you. Okay? Gets rewarded. And when you get to the place, you see this reward at the end, you'll say, man, that really was a calling. I am so grateful that God did that. And you can look back, and then you can pass on to the next generation what God has done through your calling, not a concession to life. All right, now here's what I want you to do. How about you grab this card? Uh, it's on a seat around you. If you don't have one, get one. This is really helpful. I'm going to borrow this handout. On the front of it, you'll see bad advice, and you'll see week one, how to hate your job. Next week, we're gonna talk about how to have a financial crisis. Week three, how to wreck your marriage. And week four, how to become apathetic. So if you have a friend or a family member and you want to invite them to church, this is what we're talking about. <laughs> All right. On the back, though, is a diagram that I borrowed from Robert Lewis. Got permission. Uh, I was part of a men's small group uh, this past year. And this is really important. This was really helpful for me. And so I wanted to show it to you. I want to get insanely practical. If you're a parent, grandparent, this is, this is, this is good no matter where you are in life. But I think this is something really helpful for uh, high school students, uh, college age students. You're, you're getting into your career, wherever you are at your career. I know somebody this week who's actually retiring. This week, they're retiring. And I still think this diagram is helpful for a retiree, doesn't matter where you are. So this diagram, you'll see the triangle on the back. You'll notice that it's a pyramid and Lewis talks about this pyramid as the ever writer job fit, ever writer job fit. The premise is essentially this, that it takes time. It's an unfolding of our calling in our career. It's not something you just, you, you come right out of the gate. So here's what I want you to do. Take a look at this diagram and just get a sense of where you are. Get a sense of where you are and we'll work through this together. In your 20s, work is kind of guesswork and discovery. In other words, your work is a data point to learn what you're good at and what you're not so good at. And the energy that you gain in your 20s when it comes to your work is that you you are surviving. I'm making a living. I'm actually getting, woo, baby, I got a job. Like, we don't have to live on ramen and PB&Js. We can go out to eat other than fast food. Okay, you're surviving. You're paying a little bills. Okay, welcome. Now, that's short-lived. You run out of that, and then you'll see in your 30s and 40s, you need to make some courageous right adjustment. Why? Because you're not just trying to survive. You want to begin to succeed. The energy is that you want success. 
And so you want to succeed and, and there's a thrill and a rush to success. And then you're in 40s and 50s, you need to negotiate into the best fit because the, the, the thrill of success has worn off and now you're getting into a place with your calling, your job that you want to build upon your success because the energy that you want to find is significance. Gain a sense of, you know what? I am leaving a legacy. There's something that I'm building beyond just the personal accolades and achievements, but now I'm leaving something. This is significant. My work really counts at a different level. And then somewhere in your 50s or 60s or even 70s, you need to make a bold move to your highest use. Your highest use where now the energy is about sustainability. This is your life work. This is something that you would do, maybe an aspect of, of all of the, the skills that you have learned throughout your career. You would do this for free. Nobody would need to pay you because it's such a blessing to you and a blessing to others and it glorifies God. Now, this is important because sometimes we can get stuck in these areas. There are people in their 50s who are still doing guesswork and discovery. There are people who, who want to move beyond success to significance, and yet they're just, they're, they're, they're handcuffed by money or by whatever it is. They're struggling with the golden handcuffs, and, and they don't want to make those, those changes to negotiate into the best fit. And then there are people in their 60s, they retire transition from normal work and they think to themselves, is there anything beyond this? And there is something beyond that. In fact, there are people in our church, a part of our community, and this is one of the joys of being a pastor, especially working with adults. Being a youth pastor, I loved being a youth pastor. I loved working with high school students. I loved working with college students, young adults, but there's something about stepping into working with adults as a lead pastor. You, you begin to see people uh, at a broader spectrum. You, you see them get engaged. You, you marry them and you bury them. And you get to see all the transitions and it's, it's, it's a joy to do that. It's great being a part of your life, part of the life of this church. And what I've observed is that there are people, I believe this message is for every single person, regardless of where you are, because wherever you are, God wants his calling in your life to unfold over time in and through your job, not to hate your job, but to love your job for the glory of him. And I've seen people who, who find things that they're passionate about, and when they're done with work, they engage in the community here in the valley, they engage at the church at an even deeper level. In fact, there are some people that came to my mind. It was like I was putting this message together this, actually two weeks ago. And I was uh, thinking about individuals. I would say their names, but they wouldn't want that. They wouldn't want that because they realize it's not really about them anyways. It's about stewarding the gifts and the abilities for the glory of God. And now they have found this level of sustainability and they are such a blessing to our community, to our church. But it's not just people in their 50s or 60s or 70s. We have people who volunteer, who give back to the work of God, 
inside and outside of the church, all throughout, every single week, because they have discovered that it's life-giving to help and to give your heart to other people. They've realized, like, this, this is so, this is joyful. In fact, I, I was walking out uh, during the worship set, the last song, to go back to uh, backstage and, and uh, look at my notes one last time, and I noticed that there were some kids' volunteers they had little kiddie pools. Did you see the little swimming pools when you pulled in today? And there were volunteers out there and one was running back and, and they were so happy. I could see uh, he had such a big smile. He had a squirt gun. I hope he wasn't, you know, like shooting the kids or anything, but I mean, having so much fun and kids were splashing. And I know our staff, they're going to tie that back some way to a biblical principle or something about Jesus. And, and that's going, listen, they do that because they see that, that that's a great way to live. It's life-giving to do that. They also do that. They might not be able to connect the dots, but they do that so that parents and families and people just like yourself can sit here and listen to the Bible. They, they don't have to hate their job. They don't, I don't have to, I Get to. In fact, every single volunteer at Pathways Church, the second reason that they serve, not only because it's life-giving, it's because they want to use their lives to be on mission, to do something greater than themselves. God didn't call you just to make a little money, buy a couple things, be happy for you and your family. God, God called you to make an impact reason that we exist here at Pathways Church, every act of service, is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So as we close today, if you would bow your heads with me. All across this place, if you're watching online, just quiet yourself before the Lord you're listening. I want to take a moment. I want to pray for all of us when it comes to our work. And pray that God would speak to you. Maybe you'd want to relook at this diagram this week, or you have to do some soul searching about some beliefs and lies that you've been harboring and walking into when it comes to some bad advice. I don't know what the Holy Spirit would say to you, but I'm believing, speaking to you. So just ask him, is there something that you want me to hear, Father, from this? Just take a moment. In a moment, I want to give those who need to make a decision for Jesus Christ. As I referenced earlier, the greatest work was done on the cross. God was at his best when he died and rose again for you. Let me be clear, Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. God's son came from heaven to earth to die for you for the forgiveness of sins. If you're here today and you want to be a part of God's family, you need to get adopted. You need to get saved. Change of heart, new heart, new life, new way. God brought you here today. You're watching online. You're listening because God loves you. And if you're here today and you want to make a decision for Jesus Christ, I want to acknowledge your decision. 
Would you just right now, would you just lift up your hand all across this place? Anybody here today gathered, make a decision for Jesus Christ? You're in this room? Yeah, thank you, I see your hand. If you're online and you wanna make that decision, you can go ahead and just type, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm giving my life to Jesus. Now here at Pathways, we don't pray alone. We're the body of Christ. So we come along, individuals who are now making this life-changing decision. So can we pray this out loud together? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me and sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for me. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Save me. Place your Holy Spirit inside of me to lead me, to comfort me, to challenge me, and to counsel me. I love you, Lord. I give my life to you. Now I pray for our entire congregation, God. I thank you for every single person that's gathered. God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would speak to them, God. We wanna love our work, our job. It's from you, for you. God, we're gonna give our best. And God, we'll trust you that you'll reward us in whatever way you choose that you see fit. God, we wanna live in to all that you have for us. Thank you for today, for this day that we get to live for you. This work week, we get to go with a renewed perspective under the power and the guidance of your word. Shape our hearts and transform us that we might glorify you. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the strong son of God. And everyone who agreed this prayer, shout it. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we celebrate those individuals? who gave their hearts to Christ. Amen. Amen, amen.